I'm going to be talking a little bit uh, differently today because I want to share and set up what's going to be happening with our grand opening. And, uh, you know, we've been, we were trying to push and delay things to say, when can we do a grand opening? We thought, you know, the COVID stuff would be settling down by now, but it's not. So how are we going to do a grand opening in the midst of all the things that we're dealing with and facing today? So what does that mean? We're going to actually do a grand opening over like a three-week period. And I'm going to explain what we're going to be doing and then uh, give you understanding so that you're all on board with us, hopefully. So the grand opening is going to be in September, and we're going to start September 2nd to the 11th. And what do you do when you want to have a great celebration? You want to really just worship and honor God? You start by fasting and praying. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have 10 days of fasting and praying. You're thinking, that doesn't sound too celebratory. Oh, just wait. It gets better. So we're going to start and do that. You know, how many know we need to pray right now for the nations of the world? How many of you know we need to pray? And uh, we're in a moment, we're going to just start by praying. I'm going to pray for Lebanon. Uh, you know, what has happened there is just so tragic and uh, different things that are happening around the world. So we're going to pray about that. Actually, we're going to do it right now. Is that fair? Can we just pray for Lebanon and uh, for the people there? My barber's from Lebanon, and uh, it was, I got my hair cut this week, and we were just talking about it, and he was talking about his family and the devastation. But in Lebanon, it's not just the explosion that is the issue. The issue is the corruption in the government. And so even charitable donations that are getting there, you know, that you need to pray that they get in the hands of the right people in order for it to really make a difference. Amen? So let's pray together about that as we start. Just Father God, thank you for the people of Lebanon. Thank you, God, for your peace and your presence. Thank you, Father God, that you love them. You are for them and not against them, Lord. And I pray that they will know your goodness and your grace in this hour. Father, we just, uh, we just surround them with your presence and pray the blessing of the Lord upon them, that they will find you, they will find uh, people alive. I pray for healing for people that have been injured by this, God, and I pray for your comfort for those who have lost loved ones, Lord. We just bless this nation in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're going to start with fasting and prayer, and uh, I had to center myself there a little better. Sorry. Um, how many, you know what, we, have, we progressively have done this as a church several times, where the 10-day period, I'm not asking you to fast all 10 days, though you can if you'd like to, but what we do is we've done a collective fast or a progressive fast. So what happens is at any one time for the entire 10 days, somebody is fasting and praying. And so that's how we've done fasts in the past as a church family. Uh, we've done up to 54 days doing it that way, and it's just been amazing to see. And uh, if you recall, when we were given this church building, it was through a 54-day fast. And at the end of the fast, I announced that we were given this building. Isn't that an amazing thing? Fasting and prayer is so powerful. And so we're going to start our, our celebration just by getting our hearts right with God. You know, I'm going to try and have the building open every single night for those 10 days. Not try, we will. Whether we're praying in the sanctuary or in one of the rooms, we'll make sure that we're, we're gathering together to pray and seek the Lord. Then September 12 and 13, so that's a Saturday and a Sunday, so that we break fast and then we enter into the, the celebrations uh, of going forward. So on September 12th, what I'm asking for, that's a Saturday night, we're kind of going to gather and we're going to dedicate the Lord ourselves and this building to the Lord. 
That's what we're going to do on the 12th. So that's going to start at 4.30 on the Saturday. I've invited uh, several guest speakers to come. Uh, we have actually the three heads of our fellowship. The current head of our fellowship, Glenn Breikreitz, is going to come and speak. Uh, the former head, Dr. Paul Valley, is going to come and speak. And then the head before him was uh, Pastor Glenn Forsberg. He's going to speak on the Sunday. So we've got these people coming just to bless this space, to bless us. And it's going to be such a great time. On the Saturday, what we're going to do, um, I'm really asking, this is a time for everybody who serves in our church or wants to serve, that it's our servant leaders that are gathering. And we're just going to have a time of prayer. Uh, I'm going to ask that, that uh, we kind of, unless your child is a deep intercessor, maybe find some caretakers for them or babysitters so that you can come and pray together. Amen? Then we're going to have a time of celebration. Why am I doing that separate at night? Well, we have to create space. We have to create space because of COVID. We can't get the 450 in here that we want to get. We have to cut it down to about 200 in order to create boundaries that we need to have. And so that Saturday night, we're going to ask our servant leaders and people to come because they're going to be serving the next day. The Sunday, we are actually having three services. We're going to have a 9 a.m. service, a 10.30 a.m. service, and a noon service. We're expecting probably seven or 800 people to come and be present during those times. But we're also going to, you're going to see a huge tent set up outside, about 135 feet by, I think it's 30 or 40 feet. And we're going to be feeding everybody after the service. So when you come to the 9 a.m. service, you're going to leave and go out into the tent, and you're going to eat and fellowship with the people there while the 10.30 a.m. service starts. So the 10.30 a.m. service will start when the 9 a.m. service is fellowshipping and celebrating together. And then when they are done, we're going to clean everything up and do all the COVID cleaning stuff. And then uh, the 10.30 service is going to go to go eat while the noon service moves in to start having a time of celebration. It's the only way we can get everybody in. Amen? And so we've thought through this. We're begin beginning to plan toward it. I'm asking families with children to kind of try and pick the 12 o'clock service and the reason for that is so that they don't have to feel rushed. You know, when it's like when you're trying to feed your kids and you're trying to hang out a little bit, we want to be able to give you that last space so that you can, you can just celebrate. For all of these things, there are going to be sign-ups. We have to sign up. Once a service is filled, it's filled. And uh, at the same time, on the 12th, what we're going to be doing, though Saturday night was for our church family and for prayer Sunday, we're going to be inviting a lot of dignitaries. We've invited the premier. We've invited the MPs uh, of, our, our, of Sturgeon uh, County. We've invited, uh, we've already got confirmations from a few of them, the mayors of Sturgeon County, the mayor, sorry, and the mayor of uh, Mournville. We've uh, invited other dignitaries, all the farmers whose lands we crossed in order to get this building here. They're all coming. Are you following me? And their spouses. So you can understand the services will be full. There are going to be people uh, coming from, we're going to be, you know, trying to honor all the tradespeople. We're actually going to have to do a separate time for the tradespeople because in this building, well over 60 trades were used to, in order to build this building. And so we're like, how can we honor them and keep them and, and, and still, in, in, you know, being sensitive to all the things that we need to be sensitive toward. So I want you to understand the 12th and the 13th are really for our church family and for people who have been part of this church in the past. And they're coming. People are flying from other places to come and celebrate with us because they were part of this journey. The following week is going to be for our community. 
The following week, we're going to open up on Saturday, and we're going to have a, just a, a, you know, a, a tour of the building, and we'll do something fun afterwards for people that come. We're going to advertise that and let people know you can come on the Saturday and uh, really experience and see the goodness of God to us. People want, are so interested to see this building. And uh, you know, so many of you are saying, my neighbor wants to come, my neighbor wants to come. This is when your neighbor comes. Does it make sense? Because we have to create all these spaces, church. And then that Sunday, the, the 20th, is actually a national and an international event. It's called Back to Church Sunday, where communities are invited to come back to church, and so we'll be having that happening as well. So you understand this is going to be an exceptionally uh, celebratory, amazing, powerful, awesome time to gather together and uh, we were left with one interesting question. How do you do this in the midst of COVID? <laughs> How do you do this, Lord? So that's been my prayer point, saying, Jesus, help. Because we want to, you know, understand that it's not normal days and normal times right now. You know, how do we pull off a grand opening in the midst of things that we're facing and dealing with? And so I'm going to talk about a few things today, and I want us all to start off just by having a fantastic celebratory attitude. Amen? Because I'm going to say some things that might tweak you the wrong way. So I'm going to actually have you pray a prayer out loud with me in order for us to be able to carry on and you're actually listening to me. You ready? Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, help me not to react right now, but to respond to your wisdom Help me to listen and not shut down because of predetermined thoughts. Help me to understand what it means to love people and to lay down my rights for the sake of others. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed it, now I get to preach it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so... What have we done so far as a church? If you've noticed, we've done lots of things as a church family in order to be compliant and to keep people safe. Uh, there's, you know, there's hand sanitizing stations. We clean the, the chairs in between services. Uh, our, our people that work on the, on the coffee bar are wearing masks. Our children's ministers are wearing masks. One of the things that I'm going to ask, and this will make sense in a minute, I'm going to ask all of our workers, people that are serving, if they're greeting at the door, I'm going to ask them to wear masks because, and we'll get there in a second, so hang in there, be patient, you prayed the prayer, and uh, here's the thing, you know, we've talked to the government a little bit about how can we pull this off, and they said, well, if you can't, you know, if you're struggling to maintain the six-foot distance rule, wear a mask. That's kind of the rule. So if you're we're trying to get you guys six feet apart in little cohorts right now. And, but if you can't do that, just wear a mask. Now, probably on the grand opening weekend, the reality is, and I just want you to prepare for this, we're probably all going to be wearing masks. And I'll tell you why. Because think about it, there's going to be 70 people that are not part of this church family in each one of those services that are going to have to be in and out and be ushered and feel safe. Like, this is part of the questions that we get when we've invited people. What are you guys doing for this compliance? Now, I want to preach to you a little bit differently today because I'm not talking about compliance to government regulations or requests. 
I want to preach to you as to how God sees how to manage these days and these times. That's what we're going to talk about. And I want you to, to get there. Because what does it mean to love one another regardless of protocols that pe people would put on us? What does it mean to love each other in this hour? Because here's the thing. Number one is this. Because we're members of one body, we have different opinions, and therefore we have to work hard to maintain unity. How many of you have noticed that there are two camps? <laughs> there are two camps, even in the church and certainly in the world when it comes to COVID. There are two camps. There are the camp that says, shut the economy down, shut everything down, don't matter, we just have to isolate, we have to do, and I get it, I'm not judging that, I'm saying that's one of the camps, are you following me, it's one of the camps. The second camp is like the government is trying to control my rights and freedoms, and I'm going to violate everything they say because I, I have a right and I have personal freedom. And so there's two camps, okay? Now, now hang in there, hang in there, I'm not going to tell you which camp I'm in, I, I just understand there's two camps. So, you know, we know this, that when you're driving on a road, there are always two ditches. You know, it's not fun to drive your new car in either ditch, is it? You really should stay on the road. And so this is what we're aiming to do. We're trying to get to a point where all of us come together and, and we're living on the road and understanding, though I have an opinion about something, I'm going to submit my opinion. And this is kind of what we need to talk about. I'm going to read a scripture to you and just let God talk to you. I mean, this is, this is, you know, I think Jesus wrote this in the Bible because he knew COVID would come. Here it is. Philippians 2, verse 3. Be free from pride-filled opinions. They will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. But in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. That's like a mic drop, man. That's like, pfft, there's nothing else to say. Like that, that's awesome what God wrote in his word. You know, we live in a time when we have this incredible potential for disunity, as we've talked about, the two camps that exist on this issue. But how do we walk through that and work through this and be able to fellowship together? You know, I was thinking about this. I was praying on Tuesday when the Lord downloaded this message into my heart. I was going to preach on something else totally as I was talking about the um, grand opening. It was just going to be a separate thing. But then the Lord just really began to speak to me and and. You know, for me, basically, he said, Greg, you need to stop being selfish. And you need to stop living in your opinions. And I have them. <laughs> How many know we have personal rights? We have personal freedoms. We have personal preferences. We have personal opinions. And I have them just like you have them. But you know the Holy Spirit said, Greg, what about your personal responsibilities? What about your personal responsibility? 
Because you have all those things, and, and you can be in either one of those camps, and you have those things, and God's like, what does it mean to love others? What does it mean to, to, to not be, have a proud opinion? So let me read that text again. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they'll only harm the cherished unity that you have. Don't allow promotion, self-promotion to hide in your heart, but on authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. You see, this week I've met with a few people who just don't feel safe coming to church. So what does that mean for me? See, my pride-filled opinion, my selfish opinion says, well, stay home. It's online. Duh. But apparently that's not acceptable to the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I... I he convicted me of that, apparently. Right? Think about this. I mean, I, I had this kind of epiphany. Let me, let me ask you this. If my wearing a mask gave somebody else peace to attend church, what is wearing a mask? It's nothing. It's nothing. I, if, I, if I knew that you would be sitting right there because I'm wearing a mask, Betty would be wearing that mask right now. If I knew that you would be there, and, and what is that worth? It's worth whatever I have to do. That's what this text is saying. It's saying take personal responsibility for loving your brothers and your sisters. I gladly would do that for your sake. And I think most of us would. We think about people that are maybe have physical challenges and Seniors, and I understand that there are some people that can't wear masks, and I get that, and this is not like a law we're going to put in place. It's not like we're saying, you must do this. It, it's still, I, I'm just saying, if, you know, the, when we, like I said, when we talked to the government, they just said, if you can't maintain six feet distance, wear a mask. So when you're traveling in and out, when you're walking around, when you're talking to people, wear a mask. That's what they're kind of saying. You know, the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us into what it means, regardless of regulations, what does it mean to love each other right now? What does it mean to do that? Now, once you're seated, listen to me, once you're seated in your sections and your cohorts, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't, because you, you're in that group. Does that make sense? But you can if you're fr you feel free. Feel free if you want to. You know, Ephesians 4 says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank and calling, given to you by your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and humility, sorry, and, and uh, generosity and generous love toward one another, especially to those who may try your patience. <laughs> How many know that on both sides of the camp, you can look at the other camp and say, you're trying my patience? The Holy Spirit is saying, guard the unity. It says, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you by the bonds of peace. And then I'm going to switch to the Message Bible. It says, everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Oneness. Here's a request from your pastor. For those that are serving, when you're serving, greeting at the door, at the coffee ministry, in the kids' ministry, I am going to ask you to wear a mask. I think I can, we can do that as a church. So people feel safe when they're coming in. 
And if you're going to sit and linger and talk to people, just slip a mask on. It's okay. When you go to your seat, you don't have to wear it. Okay, and this is just my request. I can't enforce this, but I'm asking you to think not based on rules and regulations, but based on love. What does it mean to do that? You know, and here's the second thing I want to say. Please don't be impatient with somebody who's not wearing a mask. Don't be the mask police and go up to me. Why aren't you wearing your mask? Why aren't you wearing a mask? My friend just told me, my pastor friend actually, he pastors in, in Leduc. He went into Costco in Leduc and he walked in just like I'm, no mask, walked in. And this guy just came unglued. He not only had a mask on, he had a face shield on. And he started yelling at him saying, where is your mask? And he just starts going up one side of him, down the other. My friend, who's a little bit of a dominant personality, is kind of gritting his teeth and his fists because pastors can lose it too, just in case you didn't know that. And then a Costco worker rushes in and says, sir, 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 uh, it's not mandatory in Leduc to wear a mask. Oh, oh, sorry. Face shield, mask, this guy. You understand, he was in a camp. He just wanted to get some carrots. And everybody should be in his camp. And everybody should be thinking the way he's thinking. Why else should we do whatever it takes to love people? Listen how the scripture goes on. Because we're connected to the head who is Christ who has taught us and modeled for us how to live in deference, servanthood, and love toward one another. This is how the text goes on in Philippians. It says, consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. You know, Jesus did many things, of course, but one of them is a word called deference. And deference is a very interesting word. It means humble submission and respect. So we are to defer to one another. That's what this means. So when I live in deference toward you, I live in, in humility toward you, I respect you, even though my opinion might be completely opposite of yours. Are you following me? But deference says, I will submit. Now what that means, submit just means to support the mission. It means to come underneath and to lift up somebody else. So what does it mean for me to defer, to live in submission in these times, in these moments? Like I said, if wearing a mask gives somebody else peace to come to the house of God and to find their way home to the Father, of course I would do it in a heartbeat. This is our mission, that people find their way home to God. Hallelujah. You know, I was listening to a, a story about Sir Walter Scott, and so Walter Scott was the, one of the most famous po poets in um, the nation of England. And then suddenly this guy named uh, Alfred Tennyson came, Lord, Lord Tennyson came along and started writing poetry as well. But his poetry was beautiful. And people began to say, wow, Tennyson's poetry is so amazing. And, uh, and, and so there's Lord Byron Tennyson. And uh, so he, 
basically there's this kind of tension between the two, and people began to kind of pick, you know, Wilford Scott's better, and then Tennyson's, he's this way, and, uh, you know, Lord Byron's this way, and, and who's the best? And then this guy started to write this anonymous article in the paper, and he began to say things like this. He began to say, you know, Scott can no longer be considered the leading poet of England, and it created controversy. You see, there was the Scott camp, and there was the, 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 the you know, the, the Byron camp, and they, they kind of had this tension, like, who would dare make that statement? And as this, the fight began to grow, this was kind of interesting, it was discovered that uh, Sir Walter Scott was the one making the declarations. He was the other poet. He was the former glorious head of the poetry. Oh, he was the best of the best. But now he was saying, oh, no, 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 no more is he the best because this guy's amazing. This guy's awesome. And I think that's what it means to defer. Does that make sense? That even though you have your place and you have your rights, you're like, I, I'm going to hold you up and I'm going to do what it takes to lift you up at a time like this. Servanthood is the next thing Jesus did. And servanthood is what I call the master's master principle. It's the principle that Jesus lived by in everything he did. And it's interesting when he told his followers that one of them was about to betray him, that he was about to die, they started to say, no, Lord, not me, not me. They started to argue. And then they argued about who was the greatest. And Jesus is listening to them. And this is what he says. It says this in the text in Luke chapter 22. Within minutes, they were bickering over who would end up being the greatest. But Jesus intervened and said, kings like to throw their weight around and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Now the parallel text to the Luke 22 text is, is found in the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, it's at the Last Supper, Jesus is about to die. Can you imagine the stress and the tension that's on him? And they're eating the Last Supper, and when they come in the room, there's a water basin and a jug for people to wash their feet, and a servant is supposed to wash the feet of the people. And if there's no servant present, the lowest person in the room is to take the position of a servant and wash the feet of people. Because remember, they sat on the floor. They didn't sit at tables like we sit at, so their feet were right where the food was. But nobody took the position. Jesus waited. All 12 disciples sit down around him, all jockeying for position who's next to him. And Jesus is like, guys, I'm, I'm about to die. I've been teaching you for three years how to serve. You still haven't got it. So what does he do? He gets up, takes off his outer garment, and wraps a towel around his waist, and he washes his disciples' feet. And I believe that what he said in that moment was Luke 22. If you want to be great, you've got to become a servant. If you want the position of authority and you want people to herald you, you've got to be the one who gets down and washes people's feet. And so what does it mean for us to wash feet's feet right now? Think about Jesus' humility. Think about Jesus' vulnerability. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is called the second Adam because remember the first Adam, when he sinned, he actually, he actually covered up. He actually hid himself. He didn't become vulnerable. He didn't live in vulnerability. He began to accuse and he began to say, I'm, I'm not the problem, you're the problem. And began to point fingers. And, and you know, Jesus comes along and he's the second Adam. He doesn't cover up. The Bible says he uncovers. He makes himself vulnerable. He humbles himself for the sake of others. And this is what you and I need to do, amen? 
We need to be like Christ. I don't want to be like the second Adam I don't, or the first Adam. I don't want to be pointing at people. They're the ones that, that camps the problem. They're thinking wrong. They need to think more like me. I heard a funny quote yesterday, and I'm, I might get it a little bit wrong, but, you know, people, when they post on Facebook, they don't want, you know, they don't want to hear your opinion. They want to hear that your opinion matches their opinion. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't really care about your opinion. I only care if your opinion is the same as my opinion. Then I'll like you. Otherwise, I'm unfriending you because I can't handle if your opinion's different than mine. Help us, Jesus. Servanthood is the key. What would we do to serve the most vulnerable among us? I was thinking of St. Francis of Assisi, and um, there's a story of St. Francis after he had, you know, gained some notoriety, he had gathering, of the Franciscan monks began to gather, and he had a time of fasting and prayer. And while they were fasting and praying, one of the monks passed out from hunger, passed out from exhaustion, whatever it was. And rather than saying to that monk, well, you know, you're excused, you just go and you go and cloister yourself in your room, self-isolate, and, and you deal with it, and it's okay. You know what he did? He actually called for a banquet, and he said, no, we're going to have a party. And, and he called for food, and he said, everybody's going to break fast together so that this one person is not singled out. You see, that's deference. That's servanthood. That's love, which is the last thought of Jesus, what he did for you and I. The word love is interesting. And I often, I often wondered how to, how I can love every person I meet. And then the Holy Spirit kind of downloaded a definition to me, and I've shared this with you in the past, but I love this definition of love. Love means to fulfill the obligations that arise from relationship. So you are called to love every single human being that you meet, but you just have different obligations to every single human being you meet. Does that make sense? See, I never understood how I could love the waitress and love my family. But now I understand it because it's a different obligation. The waitress I'm still kind to even when my fries are cold. I have to be kind. Amen? Like when she's a bit grumpy, you just have to say, you know, are you doing okay? You know, you got to be kind. You got to love. Fulfill the obligations that arise from relationship. You see, the Bible predicts two things, church. Listen to me carefully. In the last days, it says this, the love of most will grow cold. Are we kind of seeing that today? Where it's like people are like, it's like you're so weird to be around. Like you go through Costco and you feel like a leper. Because I got within six feet. Or you come around a corner in a shopping mall and you step in front of somebody and they're like, they're like freaking out like you are unclean. Anybody else had that experience, or is it you that's doing the yelling? I'm not, I'm not sure. But it's like we've forgotten how to be human. We've forgotten how to be kind. We've forgotten how to love. But then the second thing the Bible predicts is this. They will know that you are my followers by your love for one another. Do you understand? When the love of most is growing cold, it is the opportunity of the church to begin to display love. It's not an opportunity to take and pick a camp. It's an opportunity to love both camps. 
to love. Yes, we have personal freedoms. Yes, we have personal rights. Yes, we have personal opinions. But Holy Spirit is saying, exercise personal responsibility. And all that means is this, respond with your ability. That's what responsibility is. What ability does Greg Fraser have to love people in times like this? It's pretty simple. If simply wearing a mask helps somebody to be, feel peace, then I should be okay with that, even though I have opinions about that. My opinions really don't matter. You know, I was reading a story in 1986, so 96, sorry, this, 86, sorry. This happened, it happened in the Baltic Sea where two passenger liners collided uh, and, they, and over, hundreds of people were dumped into the Baltic Sea and, and, and froze to death, died. And what was more tragic as the story un unfolded, it wasn't that there was bad conditions that day, it wasn't that the radar failed, it wasn't that there was foggy, foggy conditions, the condition was the two captains were proud. They knew they were heading on a collision course, but one thought the other was the one who needed to turn and yield. And so they kept approaching together, and by the time they realized the other one wasn't going to yield, it was too late, and they had a collision. You know, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> I, I want to be the one who yields. I want to be the one who defers. I want to be the one who loves. I want to be the one who, you know, comes along and serves somebody else. That's really what God is saying. I want to live in unity. I, I don't care what it costs. I want people to feel free to come to church, to find their way home to God. I don't care what I got. I don't care if I got to wear a mask. Who cares? It doesn't matter to me. This is what God wants us to do, church. Amen? Just let's use our heads. Let's love one another. It's pretty simple. If you can't social distance six feet, just wear a mask. Once you're sitting in your seat, you don't have to wear it. And then we're ahead of the game. Because <laughs> if they mandate that when we get together we have to, we can all say, oh, it doesn't matter to us. It's all good. Who cares? We're already ahead of the game. We're golden. Amen? Amen? So, as we've been... <laughs> I'm going on vacation for 10 days. You can hate me all you want. And by the way, you have to repent and get over it and love me anyway. So, you might as well just start there now. So here I want to close in, uh, I want to close by just reading a psalm, because this is summer in the psalms. I haven't talked about psalms today, but I'm going to give you a beautiful psalm for you to go away with today. Amen? Can we have a nice psalm together? Here's Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel and Mournville and, and Sturgeon County and Bonacord and Rochester, he will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you and the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor COVID by night. Oh, sorry, it's, that's in the original text. You have to dig deep. It says the moon by night. The Lord will keep 
all harm from you. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so good. Your motivation is love. Let that be our motivation. Lord, let your humble opinion be our motivation. I pray the blessing of the Father upon every person in this church family. I pray for your peace that passes understanding. I pray for your grace to multiply and to abound to all of us, that we would live in unity, in peace, in love, in deference, and in servanthood together. In the mighty name of Jesus, and the church said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, hallelujah. <laughs>